What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. And I'm Ben, and we are here with our super producer, Noel the Idea Man Brown. Uh, that's appropriate for this podcast, wouldn't you say? I believe so, yeah. And most importantly, you're here, which makes this Car Stuff. Ah, shucks, Ben. Most importantly, you're here. Oh, I was talking to the audience. Oh, <laughs> uh, now it's awkward. I, it is. Well, you gestured towards me. I guess you're uh, gesturing towards the, uh, the invisible audience here in the right. studio. Right. Yeah, I'll be honest with everyone. I'm a little bit loopy because I, I just got out of the dentist earlier. Oh, so, uh, some decent pain pills, maybe. You know, I, uh, I I didn't ask, but whatever they gave me when I was in the office, man. Might be a weird episode today, <laughs> uh, but we have an announcement before we start, right? Yes, we do. Yeah, we've got we've got something that we, we talk about this uh, frequently. Mm-hmm. At this point, at this point, a few times we talked about this. Um, our friend, our old friend, Glenn Beck, and uh, yeah, yeah, the Glenn Beck, not the radio, not the radio host guy. Yeah, not the not the celebrity guy. Right. No, we're talking about the real Glenn, the Beck, real one, the yeah. one that listens to our show. Mm-hmm. So just before you know, Glenn participates in uh, one of his rallies because he right. participates in these all the time, mm-hmm. uh, a couple times a year, really. Um, he sends in some information about the uh, about the rally, the upcoming rally, and what it's all about, who it's for, etc. Hoping that maybe some car stuff listeners will you know stop by his uh, his page, you know, maybe mm-hmm. donate a little bit, maybe just get some information, maybe participate in the next rally. That'd be really cool. Because I went out, uh, you know, recently the last rally that they yeah had, uh, up in Athens. Yeah, I was in uh, the Athens area. I guess they mm-hmm. they stayed in in Athens, but they went to a drag strip, um, Atlanta Dragway, and uh, I spent the evening there with Glenn and some of the guys from the rally. And man, what fun that was! It was a blast, <laughs> a huge adrenaline rush. So um, he's participating in another one. So we'll talk about it just here for just a moment. And it's the Ohio Valley Seven Hundred. Again, it's run by. Rally North America, and I'll give you all the, the site information in just a moment, but it's happening very, very soon. It's happening from October 9th through the 11th. It's a two-day event. So here's what uh, Glenn says. This one is for the Epilepsy Foundation of Western Ohio. Yeah. And the mission of the Epilepsy Foundation is to promote epilepsy awareness and research and to provide support for epilepsy sufferers and their caregivers. 
Uh, this, this rally is in memory of Cody Converse, a young man with lots of promise who suddenly lost his life to the, due to the effects of epilepsy. Um, and then he's got a, a, a link here to his own donation page for Team Limer. We've talked about Team Limer Mustang many times. Right. Yeah. Longtime listeners will recognize the Team Limer Mustang. Yeah. And I will, I'll try to coordinate this. So the day that, the day this episode releases, I'll put this link on our Facebook page and that way you can get to mm-hmm. it and uh, it will be just ahead of the rally and you're able to donate if you feel like it. Do whatever he feels right. I'm, I'm going to make my donation. But we'll put it on our Twitter as well. Uh, we're CarStuffHSW at both of those. Yeah, we'll do that. And uh, the goal this year is eighty thousand dollars, and that sounds like a lot of money. But they have already this this charity, this uh, or rather this association, the the Rally North America, has already to date um, raised something like forty thousand dollars for that uh, for that foundation alone. And overall, Rally North America. Um, events have raised something like four hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars for all these different events. The last one they ra- they tried to raise, I think it was one hundred twenty five thousand, mm. and I think they got right up to the goal. I don't know if they 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 made the one twenty five or it's like one hundred twenty something like that. They got really really close. So some big numbers. This this event, this rally, if you're in the area, it's definitely worth seeing these guys when they come through town. If you're not already part of the rally. Um, and these are all uh, all of the money they raise goes to charities. Yeah, yeah. It, every every every, every single penny. bit of it. Yeah, yeah, every penny of it. And it's a, an accredited, um, you know, charity so that you can you know donate with confidence. I guess. Right. And this this two day rally, I'll tell you where it goes, just so you have an idea if you want to catch mm-hmm. these guys at one of the locations because it, it again it's so worth it. Oh, and mention the scavenger hunt part. That's yeah. cool. Oh, we definitely will. <laughs> they 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 start out in Mackinac City in Michigan. That's the last city in the Lower Peninsula of Michigan. So. Right before the bridge that connects the Upper Peninsula and the Lower Peninsula. That's, oh, that's where they're going to begin in some marina up there. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, an early morning start. And then they head down to Muskegon, Michigan. And uh, so on day two, they, that's where they start. And then they finish in Xenia, Ohio, which is, um, I think it's just outside of Dayton, Ohio. Uh, kind of in the, I guess it would be the southwest side of the state. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's, it's again, a shorter rally, but uh, definitely worth it. I think they're going to go um, to a... Um, a local drag strip again. So if you can catch them somewhere in the Xenia area at the uh, at the drag strip, you, you might want to do that. It's it's mm-hmm. definitely worth seeing. It's a uh, Kill Care Raceway, right? Kill Care Raceway. That's the one. I didn't have it in my notes here, but thank you, Ben. And uh, yeah, this whole thing is uh, kind of run like a scavenger type thing. It's a scavenger type of rally. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So you know they've got a, a list of things to get, but it's all stuff they drive to. It's an automotive rally, so um, you know that's the tie-in with this whole thing. And it's I gotta tell you, Ben. The cars that participate in this rally are yeah. so cool looking. I mean, they've got them done up with, you know, the numbers and the sponsorships and all that. They look like race cars on the street. And a lot of them are um, not muscle cars, but I'm thinking of like uh, like pony cars. Okay, yeah, a yeah, A lot yeah. of pony cars and sports cars and, you know, some. I, th- I think some of them are rental cars, as a matter of fact. Because <laughs> <laughs> why abuse your own car, right? What do you say when you're renting the car? I guess you, uh, you'd say nothing. You don't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's but, like Omerta. Well, but like silence. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. But <laughs> it, like uh, like Glenn's car. I mean, the uh, the Team mm. Limer Mustang. He's he's had that for a long time, and uh, it's kind of his yeah. baby. Um, it's just it's a really great event. It's a lot of fun to be around these people and. I'll tell you, I'm going to let you in on this, Ben. I think you and I have already talked about this, so we, it's nothing, yeah. nothing new to us. Yeah. Uh, we're considering doing something with the rally next year. In the, I think there's one in the summer, mm-hmm. and uh, we're talking about somehow being involved, uh, you know, a car stuff team maybe or a sure. ride along or something. Yeah. We're going to do something with it. We're not exactly sure what level yet, mm-hmm. but uh, we're excited about it. So. Anyways. Spoiler alert. Everyone acts surprised yeah. next summer. Yeah. And so if you want more information about this, you can go to rallynorthamerica.com and check that out. And again, I'll, I'll post, 
you know, the, the donation page right to the Team Limer page. So uh, if you want to donate to Glenn's, uh, the Glenn's team, yeah. please do so. And so, without announcement, safe and happy driving to you, Mr. Beck and company. We are segueing into today's episode, which is something we didn't expect we would end up doing. No, no, I didn't think so. We didn't think we were going to get to a second part of this whole thing, right? We thought we were going to wrap it up kind of quick, because what are you going to talk about with these cars? They didn't really even make it anyways. They're kind of a footnote in history. Yeah, we're talking about cars that never made it. And Scott, how... Is naive a fair word? With the best of intentions, we set out to record just one episode, and we each had what we thought were a handful of interesting cars that never really made it, whether they never made it past the concept stage, which were what most of mine were, or whether they just never really made it into the public eye. Yeah, a few of these are kind of like, um, you know, one-off cars, some, a few, a few cars that are based on other vehicles. So they're like a kit car version of another vehicle. Right. And very limited production. So no one really knows about them. They're, they're very scarce. They're very, uh, um, they're like hidden jewels, really. Bad. Yeah. Because, uh, some of these will turn up in museums. Some of them are such oddities that, you know, you, you may never, ever get to see them. You know, they they, uh, they live in uh, some obscure little museum and tucked away in some corner of the world. But um, mostly, these are just uh, just fun cars to look at and fun cars to talk about. Right. And we have been lucky enough to see just a couple of these, one of which we mentioned previously, which was the BMW. Yeah, that's right. We did. Uh, we, and we're going to go right back into it because... We didn't realize we were running out of time until we had, you know, like three minutes or yeah, something. Yeah, until it was way too late. So, uh, <laughs> so we've got a, uh, well, about half of our list to go still, right? Right, For yeah. each of us, right? So mm-hmm. uh, do you want to start or do you want me to start, Ben? Uh, why don't you do the honors, Mr. Benjamin? All right. First up on my uh, part two list here is the, <laughs> this is kind of a strange one, the Smart for Fun 2 concept in uh, 2006 that was converted into a monster truck. So... Smart car monster truck. All right. Now, I think this kind of made the rounds on the, uh, you know, on the internet. It, it's, uh, again, an oddity. It's a one-off type thing, but they used what, here's what I found particularly interesting. They used a Unimog chassis for it. And we have a show on the Unimog. Yes. Uh, which ran, so I think it was right around, uh, well, I forget the date here. It was, uh, May of 2011, how Unimogs work. And, uh, I think <laughs> that one is a, uh, it's a high speed stuff show, Ben. And it's yeah, the wow. early days. So, Eh, be kind if you listen to that yeah, one. It's a little please. rough, but I got to tell you, Ben, the, the look of this thing is so unusual. I mean, it looks so ridiculous. Yeah. It's like a cartoon, really. It really is because I'm not saying that the the smart city coupe is a, a bad car or something, but I just don't know. It doesn't fit. Well, you know, there was a, a whole bunch of cars that for a long time, you know, people would take a, uh, like an El Camino. Right. And they'd put it on a blazer chassis and then, yeah. and then, you know, put these giant wheels on it. So they're kind of making their own little monster truck that they could drive around town. And there's a lot of versions of that. I know we've seen hearses. We've seen Cadillacs. We've seen, um, smart cars like this one. I've seen, uh, you know, of course, pickup trucks they'll do that with as well. You know, small pickup trucks like a Ford Ranger or something that, <laughs> right, that right. looks kind of funny atop something like this. But when you put a, a, uh, a smart car on top of a, a Unimog chassis, I mean, it looks comical, really. It does. <laughs> uh-huh, Very yeah. funny looking and never, ever intended for production, of course. But, um, you know, if you didn't catch this when it kind of made the rounds in 2006 or, mm-hmm. you know, 7 or 8 when everybody kind of heard of it. Right. Um, then it just kind of went away. You don't really see this uh, making the making the rounds on the blogs anymore or anything like that. Uh, yeah, it's true. And something like that always pops up. Someone always seems to have a Unimog chassis or some uh, 
a, a lot of skill and spare time when yeah. it comes to some mad science. Yeah. I always think about the uh, jet engine beetle. Remember that one? Oh, yeah, I do. That one was a great one, yeah, just for the cool. sake of how far can we take it. Yeah, it's somebody who can weld, and then, of course, you know, they just take it to the extreme. You know, yeah. I'm going to put a jet engine in this tiny little car, or I'm going to put this smart vehicle on top of a uh, Unimog chassis. It's, 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 it's an interesting exercise either way, right? Right, yeah, absolutely. And I would say it's worth doing if you can do it. Now, this, I would say, the the uh, Smart for Fun 2 concept is an exercise in blending two extreme opposites. Yeah, sure. So it's all about extremes. And with extremes in mind, I would like to take us to what I consider an extreme in class. Scott, have you heard of the DeSoto Adventurer 2? No, I have not. The DeSoto Adventurer 2, my friend, is the kind of vehicle... That uh, is the kind of vehicle that James Bond would drive if he were in the U.S. It's a European-style GT coupe uh, crossed within a big American cruiser. It's got a Ghia body. Oh, cool. It's got a, it's got a Hemi engine. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, it's like uh, this perfect marriage of Chrysler and Fiat. So it had, uh, had cowhide upholstery, a machine-turned chrome dash, a retractable rear windshield, matched luggage. It came with matched luggage. Of course it did. You know, Ben, I think I really like everything that comes out of the Ghia factory. Yeah. I, I just, it, it always seems to look good. There may be, you know, an oddball here or there that I'm, I'm not crazy about, but it seems like just about everything they produce out of that factory is really good looking. Yeah, and it's, what's strange about the DeSoto Adventurer 2 is that it's a one-off. Right. So I don't know if it's quite fair to say it never made it, but it's been bouncing back and forth between collectors since it was built. Uh, the, you can read an article in Jalopnik about a guy who found it at the Gateway Auto Museum, uh, when, uh, and it was part of the collection of a guy named John Henricks, who mm-hmm. was, who was, uh, executive at Discovery Channel. That's kind of interesting. I, I like it when uh, when a car like that, a notable vehicle like that, is sold between museums. So you get a chance to see it in different parts of the world sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, it, it. so maybe it lives in Sweden for a while, and, you know, I don't have mm-hmm. much of a chance of seeing that right now unless it travel there, which is not in the, the any time in the near future. But, like, let's say the uh, the Lane Auto Museum picks it up here in Tennessee. Yeah. Then I'll be able to get to go see that vehicle. And then they might sell it over to the Petersons. So if you're out in uh, the California area, like mm-hmm. L.A., you're going to get to see it there. I, I like that when they kind of trade it around a little bit. Yeah. Mix it up. Oh, and uh, just for point of order there, uh, Hendrix does not actually own the DeSoto. The other, the owner is displaying it in the museum. Oh, I see. So it's on, on loan, uh, the collection on loan. Right. By, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, here's, I got another one that, uh, this is an unusual vehicle. Um, kind of a kit car, I guess. This is a, um, this is called the Hustler and the Hustler Huntsman 6. It's from 1978. I know it's a funny name. I get that. But uh, it is a strange, strange vehicle. So they, they sold about 500 of these total, and you'd never guess it because I've never in my life seen one. Um, but it is a multi, what they called a multi-purpose vehicle. I guess you couldn't call it an, a sport utility vehicle back uh-huh. then. So multi-purpose vehicle. It was designed by a guy named William Towns, and it's based on mini mechanicals. So it has a, a mini underpinning to this whole thing. And when you see people standing next to it, you get an idea of the size, but you, you don't yeah. – you don't see that when you just look at a photo of it, you know, on a field or something. Um, the strangest one to me is possibly, I think, it, I think this is the, uh, the Huntsman six that I'm looking at here with the six wheels. That's gotta be it. Right? Uh, uh-huh. yeah. Um, strange, strange vehicle. I mean, it's kind of like a, a, a mix of 
uh, like three of these different vehicles. And tell me if you see these in there. Okay. Of course, we know it's many underpinnings, but it looks like kind of like a golf cart. Yeah, yeah, I, was, um, I can see that. A mini moke, if you know what that is. Mm-hmm. I, I think you do. Yeah. And a first or second generation Range Rover kind of mixed in. You know, I think that, I think putting the Range Rover in there is very kind. You think so? I, I like, The shape, I, the same general shape. Okay, yeah, as far as like the structure of it, sure. Yeah. But yeah. those those are some tiny wheels. Well, <laughs> yes, they are, yeah. And, you know, um, looking at the, I mean, just looking at the shape of the uh, the Huntsman 6, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that that definitely has the back end of the, uh, the Range Rover, but on a much scaled down. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Scale, I guess. I don't know how to better say that. I but, mean, the first thing um, I saw, thought when I saw it was golf cart. Oh, yeah, that's true. It does look like that. And, you know, here's this. This is this is kind of crazy, Ben. Found this out about it, about them because someone who um, had some knowledge of these vehicles uh, had written somewhere on some forum that I that I was reading about it. And uh, there were a lot of variations of this. There was the Hustler 4, 6, the Huntsman that had both 4 and 6-wheel versions. Then there was the Hellcat, the Sport, the Holiday, and the and the Force Edition. I think there's even more than that. And this is crazy. The Hustler Highlander version, one that had six wheels, which might be the one that's in this photograph here, uh-huh. um, had a Jaguar V12 engine in it. So you could get a little well, V12. Okay, wait. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like it's like a luxury uh, edition version of the Huntsman or the Hustler Huntsman. You're changing my mind about this <laughs> because at first I thought this looks like you know, this is somewhere between a church van and a golf cart, yeah. but that engine changes the equation. Yeah, so I guess there is one. There's one out there, and I don't know how many were built like this, but there's one out there with a Jaguar V12 engine, and it's and it is one of the six wheel vehicles. So you can get that look with the Jaguar V12. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I will. I don't know what I'm doing this weekend yet. My well, plans haven't solidified. Look into it. It might be worth your time. I just want to give an honorable mention to one of the vehicles that I think is uh, one of the ugliest vehicles I've ever seen. Really? Yeah. Okay. The Dodge Diora. Dodge Diora. Oh, you'll recognize it as soon as I show oh, it to you. Ben. You like a, this one? That's a beautiful car. Are you serious? I, you know what? This is okay. So this is a polarizing vehicle. This is one that yeah. you don't like at all. Nineteen sixty-five. I love this vehicle. Why? Why do you love it? It's just it has a, I don't know. It has a classic look to it. A nineteen sixties concept vehicle look to it. And I, I love that. Or early nineteen seventies. I don't. I don't remember which. I think I've already posted that one to our Facebook page. Yeah, you have. I would say though that's. Uh, I would say that the the front entryway, the way that opens, yeah. that's cool. I just don't like the the way it looks. It looks like it's missing whatever it's supposed to attach to. Really? Yeah, it looks incomplete. That's okay. the best way I could say. It. It's like a cross between a, an old van, like a 1960s right. van, and then a pickup truck. Yeah, yeah, but it's done seamlessly. It's like the same body that goes all the way through the whole thing. And yeah, I, to me, that is a beautiful vehicle. I really do like that one. You know what it is? It looks like it's backwards. It looks like it's situated backwards because if you look at it from this angle, yeah, imagine that there was, you know, instead of a pickup. Right here, that yeah. there was a there was coupe seating, and then there was a gigantic engine right here. Okay, and it right. drove that way. That's uh, what it looks like. It, there's hmm. something like almost a, a a flying shoe design about it. Uh, you know, almost. The, I mean, you'd have to squint and step far back from the photograph, but uh, like a Corvette. You know, like yeah. how that, that long, long front hood, and then yeah. uh, and then you know the whole back end is where the people sit, and you know the, mm-hmm. the uh, fuel tanks and all that stuff. But right. um, yeah, it kind of looks like a uh, like a Corvette. 
facing the wrong way. I yeah, see, uh, I think that's what it is. It, it, on a fundamental level, I'm like, who built this backwards car? <laughs> you know, there's a few cars out there like that that people think like it looks like it's it's facing the wrong way, like or. It's not so much like which end is the front. It's like it just looks like it's backwards. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, the cor- and you know, comparing that to a Corvette, I understand, you know, it doesn't have the same. I'm just saying the proportions are about the same. Right. You know, the two, ratio. Yeah. Two thirds of it are to the back end of this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, whereas in a Corvette, it's the opposite. So I can't strange. believe it. We haven't uh, we haven't really fallen out on something since uh, what? Flying cars? <laughs> no, there's got to be something that we've uh We've we've argued over. What's the some Diora now? Because well, that thing is a train wreck. Oh, Ben, Ben. Well, you know what? Listeners should write in and tell us what they think of the Diora because um, I thought we—I have to check—but I thought we got a decent response about it on on Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, I think so. I guess the question would be like, what kind of ugly stick was it beaten with? <laughs> All right, I see. We're am not. I, get, am I packing we, the? We, I'm packing the ballots. We are not going to get past this one. I can see. <laughs> okay. Anyway, it was invent. <laughs> it was introduced as a concept vehicle at the 1967 Detroit Autorama, based off a Dodge A100 pickup, and it was customized by this pair of brothers. They created a front entry hatch, which we mentioned earlier. The engine is under the truck bed, and uh, a lot of people seem to love the styling. Huh? What do you know? Well, what do you know? What do you know? Well, 50% of the people in this room love the style. <laughs> exactly 50%. Exactly 50%. And Noel, don't weigh in on well, this. Well, Noel's not in the room. All right. Not, he's not in the room, but, you know, he could come in here and make it a two-thirds majority. Yeah, one way or the other. <laughs> one way or the other, my friend. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. All right, I am going to tell you about a, uh, well, this is a true hypercar. Remember when we did the hypercar episode? Yeah. Long, long time ago, right? High-speed stuff. Yeah, I think it was high-speed stuff. And we're talking about cars that get in the 100 miles per gallon range, right? Mm -hmm. This is one from back in 1992, and it was built by General Motors. It's called the Ultralight Concept. And the Ultralight Concept, it was actually used in a film, so we'll tell you about that in just a minute. But um, it's a carbon fiber prototype, again, back in 1992. That was uh, Mm a... Relatively unheard of. I mean, I know we had, you know, the the compact vehicles that didn't yet have all the weight that they do now. Right. Some of those were getting like, you know, 60 miles per gallon, you know, in the, in the yeah. late 80s. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but this is one that, that pushed it up to 100. And it did that with, of course, you know, as you mentioned, carbon fiber bodies and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, um, plastic body work and all this stuff. You know, the, low, the lowest weight possible is how they went about building this one. It has kind of a cool look. It's a futuristic look. And it was used in the 1993 film Demolition Man as uh, one of the squad cars. Three seashells. Do you remember Demolition Man very uh, well? No, I don't, Ben. Well, if uh, for our listeners who do remember Demolition Man, I'm just going to say seashells. Seashells. Three okay. seashells. Right. Uh, Dennis Leary was in that film as well. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, good memory. This was during the – I was talking about this recently because this was during the, the phase in Dennis Leary's career where he would sometimes just appear in other people's stuff and they would write into the story the opportunity for him to go on a rant. Oh. And so he goes on this rant that really impressed me as a kid uh, and that I probably wasn't supposed to listen to because it was just – Filled with curse words. Yeah, you know what? I can remember some of that. Like he was famous for those rants. For you know, I, oh, does yeah, he still yeah. do that? I mean, I think he's I in know. a he was in a recent series not long ago, a few years ago, about uh, firefighters, right? Yeah, uh, burn notice. Yeah, uh, was that it? No, I think it was a different one. I oh, thought it was I don't about. Know. Uh, I guess there are a lot, or maybe maybe it was that and something else. But I thought he would play a firefighter, and I think there were some uh, some Dennis Leary, classic Dennis Leary rants in that <laughs> as well. So, but must the, be what he's known for. But the uh, the thing about the ultralight is. It brings us to another conversation that I'd like to explore in the future, which is where do those cars in sci-fi movies come from? Because, you know, you see so many one-offs, you see so many things that are um, more or less not working vehicles, right? They're just kind of dummied up. But then you see stuff like from Mad Max that where they use actual craftsmanship to make these vehicles that work. Even though they're monstrous, and I mean that in the best way. Oh, sure. Yeah, I remember the, uh, okay, the, you'll have to help me with this. The real okay. smooth, uh, concept vehicles from Audi. They looked almost like a, uh, like a jelly bean. Oh, yeah. And they oh, were on yeah. a track. What, uh-huh. what was that film with Will Smith, right? Uh, what, was it iRobot? It was iRobot. That's the one. Yeah, I forgot the name of it, but that's it. That's it. And they were on that, uh, the track that you could hop in, hop on and off. Yeah, of. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I seem to remember seeing a car from there, you know, one of the mock-up cars that had Audi badging on it. Uh, for sale on eBay or something like that. You know, it was just a just a shell, a dummy shell, uh-huh. but it looked really cool. I mean, it'd be a great thing to put in the lobby of your your business or something. Mm-hmm. But um, beyond that, you know, it's good for nothing really. I mean, you, you put it in your garage, <laughs> you put it on a trailer and take it to shows, maybe. Right. 
But that's about it. I don't even know if it rolled, really. It looked Send like it, it to a museum. looked like it just sat on the ground. Oh, this car, I should mention this, too. It was used in the second season of Sequest uh, DSV <laughs> and in the 1999 movie Bicentennial Man as well. So it got around. Uh, I don't know where it lives now. I would bet I would bet anything that this car is in the GM Heritage Center right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, there, you know, that place is like Alibaba's treasure cave. Oh yeah, and, you know? and, yeah. You don't you don't ever get to see the whole thing. In fact, if you invited into the Heritage Center to begin with, right? And then even when you're there, you don't see the whole collection. No, so, uh, there's there there are like three people who can do that. It's very sure. very exclusive. Now I want to talk. Speaking of exclusive, I'd like to talk about another one-off: uh, the Pontiac Trans Am Experimental Camback. Hmm. Camback. Oh, this? I like Camback. Cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so check this out. This is just from 2010, but you see how they've got the the rear there. Yeah. Uh, so the rear has a bay that opens with um, gull wing doors. Oh, cool. On either side, and uh, it has a far far superior uh, aerodynamics, which equals better top speed, better MPG. Uh, but it also has more storage space. This was based on 85 Trans Am. So, you know what? It looks like a Trans Am wagon is what it looks like. It's you know, like a Trans Am wagon. Yeah, That's you, perfect. You know those old Corvette wagons that we talked about in the yeah, first episode? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's very, very similar in design. So mm-hmm. camback designs, I, I've always loved that, that body style. It has, uh, yeah, it has 190 horsepower uh, and has a, a 305 cubic inch V8. But there is a catch. Well, sold recently, by the way. Uh, but there is a catch, Scott. What's the catch? If you drive it, you'll have a great time as long as you're on a closed course. The Trans Am Camback has no VIN number and cannot be registered. Oh, okay. So it's, uh, it's non-street legal. It's never intended for production, never no. intended to be on the road. No. Just a show car. It's literally never going to make it to the road. Well, that's just like uh, most of these cars in this list, I guess, <laughs> right? You know, the... Uh, uh, the Motorama cars and all those, you know, they, they a lot of times it's the manufacturers are making them. They don't bother registering them. Now, another one that is on your list, this one's really interesting to me. Yeah, I found this one interesting. I, I just love the shape of this one. Mm-hmm. I think this one looks really cool. It's uh, it's from the 1970s, late 1970s. It's the Chrysler Cordoba de Oro. Mm-hmm. And I hope I'm saying that right, but uh, we'll, we'll see. I guess maybe maybe listeners will write in with a correct correct pronunciation of this uh-huh. one, but um, it's a concept that was designed by Elwood Engel uh, based on the C-body chassis with very thin A-pillars. Now, okay, there's a couple of reasons I picked this. Okay. A couple of reasons. Well, maybe three. All right. One is that it looks fantastic. I like, I like yeah, the looks of it. looks really one. cool. It's got kind of a shark nose front end, um, mm-hmm. almost like, um, you know, the Mako Shark Corvette head. Very similar, if you look at it carefully, like the, the, the top photo there. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that just mentioning thin A pillars right now puts me in your in your side in your corner. <laughs> That's because true. I'm having this is let's take a sidebar right here. Okay, sidebar. I'm having a hell of a time with my new vehicle and my wife's new vehicle, seeing people in parking lots uh, because of the gigantic A pillars in cars now. Yeah, you got thick A pillars on those on I, both of those. I know why they're there. I understand it's the rollover safety thing. It's like it's a federally mandated thing that they're you know the crush. Uh, um, Weights, I guess, of right. the, uh, you know, if it, if it rolls over, it's designed to hold up. Um, however, they are so big and so obtrusive now, and I find that so many times when I'm in a parking lot making a turn or trying to exit a parking space or whatever, sure. yeah. there's either a, a full vehicle, depends on how far away it is, <laughs> or a person that happens to be right in that spot where I can't see, 
And as I move the vehicle, it tracks with the person and yeah. you get closer and closer and you don't realize that the person's thinking you're a jerk. You don't see them <laughs> because the eight pillars are just so gigantic now. And if you look at the older cars and I got in my older car, that's the third point, by the way, I got in my, uh, my Newport yeah. not long ago and just kind of sat in the seat, you know, just because why not? Right. And, um, Sat in the seat and I noticed how thin the A pillars were on it. And I, I know, you know, it'd be awful if it rolled over, sure, but it was almost a luxury to be able to see so well out of that vehicle, you know, to be able to see. Right. And this one has exceptionally thin A pillars. And I, I believe that, you remember the, uh, oh, I want to say it was the, uh, the Norseman, I think. Yeah. That had a cantilever design that had, I, I, I want to say that it had no A pillars in that mm-hmm. design. Yeah, you're uh, correct. So the only place that the that the roof was attached was at the back, at the C pillar area, mm-hmm. or the well, I guess it'd be the <laughs> the back end of the vehicle now becomes the A pillar, right? Yeah, that's a now now it's twist. the A pillar is the only pillar. Yeah, strange for the Norseman, but but this one, this uh, this Cordoba from 1979, um, has such thin A A pillars. I thought that was a cool uh, thing to have. I know that's dangerous, but the uh, the other reason that I wanted to uh, point out of this is Elwood Ingalls, the guy that designed um, my car, the one that's in my, my garage. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's the, he was the chief of design uh, from 1961 to 1974, and I think he retired in 1973, but he stuck around to consult until about 1974. Mm-hmm. Now, they based it on the C-body that was, uh, um, this is kind of strange, it's a 1979 concept. This guy retired in 1974, so it's kind of strange how... Um, how that works out. He must have come back in for consulting on this whole thing and, and right. penned this one, but they didn't build it until then or something like that. And just one last little mention I, w- I want to say about this and why I'm bringing this up is because not my car. My car was like a, a you know family vehicle. You know, It wasn't anything right. special really. Yeah. Um, he was known for designing all of Chrysler's muscle cars. He was the guy that was in the o- in office at that very critical time of Chrysler's history. Hmm. So this this vehicle, even though it's way out into the 1970s, um, it kind of has a tie to that that Chrysler muscle car history. You could see it in the design. Yeah, I mean, in, by 1979, they weren't building stuff like that anymore. So yeah. it's kind of a throwback to that. And I, I found this car really, really interesting. Yeah, I agree, and I'm glad you showed it. I had not actually heard of this one beforehand, and I want to see if you have heard of this other one. Are you ready? I'm ready. The Alfa Romeo Bat Five. Oh, Ben, you know what? I I saw. The bat cars, all three of them. No way. It's so like five, seven, and nine. Yeah, it, at the um, a place in Las Vegas, it was a place called the uh, the Auto Collections, I think. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. A, uh, it's an old parking structure that you, uh, you know, they have the cars parked off on the side. I've I've talked about this in the past. But, right. Uh, you walk up the middle aisle, it's carpeted and everything. It's really nice, and they change it all the time. It's for sale. I think this is part of a, uh, a special exhibit. Maybe they weren't for sale, but. Um, beautiful cars. They have a really unique design, don't they? Yeah, and it varies because that's that's one of the things that they really spent a lot of time on with the Bat series. They were working with aerodynamic stability and creating stuff that could use purely design to eliminate drag coefficient, to maximize efficiency of energy. And what they came up with, at least in the case of a Bat 5, is something that looks like a comic book supervillain would drive. And that's why I love it. Yeah, winged cars, right? Yeah. They have, they have yeah. wings, but they the have wings, wings on the back. But the wings curl up and they have, uh, mm-hmm. they have different shapes to them. It's, uh, yeah. it's really a curved glass, I believe, don't yep, they? You're absolutely uh, just right. Beautiful designs. And, and to see them all in one place was really interesting. And I didn't really know exactly what I was looking at when I saw them. I know I took a few 
probably grainy old, uh, you know, <laughs> camera phone photos with a, with an old flip phone that I had or something, mm-hmm. you know, at the time, because it was years and years ago. Uh, but man, that is a cool, that's a great pick, Ben. You, you know, thank you. And although the Bat series didn't quote unquote make it in that there are no production cars of them, uh, there is an update. In 2008 in Geneva, but not at the Geneva Auto Show, Alfa Romeo introduced a new one, the Bat 11. Oh, no way. Yeah. Have you, have you, here, I, I have not. And picture. you know what? Just, just, uh, for reference. Oh, that looks very similar. Yeah. Just for reference, that would have been right around the time when I saw them in Las Vegas. So maybe they were out and making a tour or something, or you know, yeah. on their way to the show. Maybe that's connected. Yeah, that's that's one of the that's one of the cars that were I a supervillain, I would be driving. And one of I, the older ones, right? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Bat Five for sure. Yeah. So this Eleven looks really cool, though. The Eleven looks cool. The Eleven looks a little bit more, I guess, orthodox. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have the same. Just strange, bizarre emphasis on flow of air. You can see that it clearly takes some lessons learned from the the Bat Five and Seven and Nine, but uh, it looks like they mainstreamed it a little bit, especially in that front hood. Sure, in the you know, grill. You know what? When I think of, or you know what I think of when I see those Bat vehicles, I think of. Um uh, this is very appropriate, I guess. I mean, you see the, the, uh, you know, like manta rays when they're, when they're in the water and their wings curl up at the yeah, tips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's that kind of shape and, and mm-hmm. it, it's clear in all three of those and not so much in the last one. No, uh, that no. carried over. There's but, something more like round yeah, about that. Still looks good. That still looks good. But if I could pick one, it'd be the Bat Five. Yeah. And I would fight, uh, you know, superheroes. Other super oh because you'd be the bad guy I'd be the bad that's guy right, you can't be you can't be a hero and drive a car like that Scott that's true I think well, like what about Batman the Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade at the Home Depot you could give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day savings event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options see homedepot.com slash delivery for details the home depot how doers get more done you're a growing business which means you need every spare hour you can find that's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in slack slack is where work happens with all your people data and information in one ai powered place start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites or build an automation with workflow builder to take routine tasks off your plate no coding required grow your business in slack visit slack.com to get started if you use paper you're a human but if you choose paper you're a papertarian someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet and also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. 
And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Batman, uh, Batman has the Batmobile. Yeah. I don't feel sorry for him. Well, I'm saying he's a good guy, right? Yeah, he is a good guy. Well, up until recently when they made him the bad guy, but. I'd have to rename the, the car then, I think. Yeah. I'd name it, um, we already use Falcon Face Punch. Well, write in and let us know what you think is a good name for a supervillain vehicle. Falcon Face Punch. Yeah, that's a nice one. All right. <laughs> or the right. Ford Face Punch. You know what? Me. I'm going to choose for my next one another yep. Chrysler. And this is, I'll tell you why I chose this in a moment. It's called the, the Chrysler Shake from 1970 and it's by Bertone. And it is a, this is so unusual for Chrysler to do this. It's a beach buggy prototype that's based on the rear engine Simca 1200S. Now, the Simca, I included a photo here of the Simca just for reference. It's a French vehicle that was built between 1962 and 1971, and there's really nothing all that remarkable about the, the Simca in that photograph, at least that one anyways. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just the underpinnings of, of that vehicle, but they put a beach buggy body on it, and it's a little bit like the Myers-Manx in that, you know, it has that similar look, but it's it's definitely different it's it's distinctively different from that and you'll have to see the photos to understand what i mean but i'll, I'll get a photo posted on our yeah. facebook sometime soon but i just i love the shape of this vehicle it's really really cool and it's like it's 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 sort of it's longer um, than a beach buggy it's longer than a typical beach buggy would be yeah it's got a little longer wheelbase it's a it's a rear engine again and it's got um uh, you know a chrome roll bar it's got chrome air horns on the top it's got roll bars on the or grab bars on the side uh, seating for two, it looks like maybe four, it could be four, but the seats are made of, um, uh, that material that's like the, <laughs> you know, the, the old lawn chair design with the, the woven webbing. Um, the seats are kind of like that because it's got this beach theme, I guess. But I yeah, think, yeah. if you look at it closely though, in the photos, I think that that is probably more like seatbelt material that they've used. So it's not really, really cheap. It's just, uh, it's a different look. It's kind of a cool thing. Um, again, just around a metal frame. The uh, the shape of it, I just I just love it. It's very aggressive looking. It's got off road tires, kind of like a, an ATV would have today, because they're not very big. It's very small tires. Mm-hmm. Um, fold down windshield or you know flip down windshield. Uh, it's just a, it's a really cool looking vehicle. And if you've never seen one, it's called the Chrysler Shake, uh, again from 1970. Yeah, look it up. Tell us what you think. I you know I think it's even more interesting just when you see it in comparison with the, the Simca itself. Yeah. Know? Cause um, it's such a, a dramatic difference from, you know, from the Simca to this vehicle, but that's what they use for the base. And it's kind of like, you know, the, uh, the one that we just talked about, the, um, the hustler six and the hustler yeah, four, yeah. how they use the mini underpinnings, but it doesn't look anything like a mini. All right. Well, Scott coming up next. I think we've got something that you are going to really enjoy my friend. Okay. Hit, hit me with it. All right. It's the Lincoln Futura. 1955. Oh yeah, of course. Love this one. I really do. Yeah, it's got the, uh, it's got the odd canopy. It's all clear. It's all, like, you can see everything, which is not that practical on a hot day, clearly. Sure. Uh, but it's got some of those same stylized, uh, retro futuristic cues, you know, it's got the, um, it's got the wing vents coming out at the back. Uh, it's got a 
ginormous, like just the width of this thing. This is back when uh, when GM and the designers and the American public really was fascinated with uh, with the design of cars, kind of mimicking uh, rocketry, you know, like yeah, airplanes yep. and jets and 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 rockets and spaceships and all that. And uh, and this one definitely shows a lot of those characteristics in the design. And that's not the most uh, maybe interesting part of the Lincoln Futura from 1955, is it, Ben? No, it's not. And this is something that, you know, we went through a phase where we were all about these cars on the show, too. Uh, and there's a little bit of trivia here, but I think you should do the honors. Well, I think most of our listeners were probably already know this, but this is the car that became the original Batmobile. Yeah, modified in 1966 by George Barris, who we've discussed on the show before. Uh, yeah, this he was bought, He yeah. bought the car for a dollar. Yeah. One dollar from GM. Right, uh, because for, let's see, since 55, it had really been just mothballed. Yeah, it was know? just put away somewhere. I mean, it it, uh, it didn't look all that great when it came to George Barris. I mean, it was, uh, it was definitely not in show, show condition right. by any means. So when he took it, you know, he looked at that, and there was another vehicle, and if I... I wish I could remember he, there were two vehicles that he bought at the exact same time, and he chose to make the future of the Batmobile. So it's interesting to think if he had chosen the other vehicle. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I've posted something about that. Yeah, recently, I think you too. have. Yeah, ah, well, well, we'll get around to it. Uh, so that that is one of my picks for cars that I wish made it, even though I know it's kind of impractical. I, I still would love – my day would be better in traffic if I saw some of these vehicles – on the road, and that's sort of my, I guess, my methodology for yeah, this sure. episode. Oh, I I love that vehicle. I love the, everything about that design. I wish I wish it had gone through into production exactly the way it was. That would have been fantastic. There's a few other cars like that too that had um, airplane fuselage type looks to them. Right, you know, like yeah. the big Cadillac that we saw when mm-hmm. we went to um, you know, the High Museum mm-hmm. uh, with the Harley Earl cars and all that. I was just there's some there's something about that era of, of concept vehicles that is, it stands out. It's amazing. Um, all right, I've got one more, Ben, and then uh, that's the end of my list. Oh, okay. All, all right. right. Well, uh, let's have a drum roll. This is the Citron Visa Lotus from 1982, and this is what Citron called their Genesis project. Hmm. And it's a homologation special, so it's a vehicle that was um, uh, it mimics the the rally car, the actual the actual uh, the race car, because they're trying to get into uh, the World Rally Championship Group B series. You remember the famous Group right, B rally right. vehicles that we both love so much. Yeah. Um, and they had to build two prototypes of this vehicle, and this is one of them that we're looking at here in these photos. Um, they use the oh, this is crazy, Ben. They use the the mid-engine rear-wheel drive Esprit chassis, so the Lotus Esprit. You know, the bigger yeah, uh, the yeah. James Bond vehicle, I guess, mm-hmm. the one that turned into a submarine. <laughs> right. That vehicle. Um, and then they, they paired that, well, that one had the, uh, the 16 valve 2.2 liter engine with, um, a Visa body. So it's like a, a kind of a nondescript, um, you know, uh, hatchback body that they put on top of this thing. So you can imagine how potent of a vehicle this is already. And they add, of course, the aero skirts and, you know, all the air intakes and the, uh, the box wheel flares. And it, it looks really, really cool. It's a really interesting looking, um, hatchback design. Uh, sort of along the lines of a uh, a Renault 5 vehicle, the Turbo 5. Mm-hmm. Remember that one? Yeah. Similar to that, not exactly. You'll have to see it to understand what I mean. But there were only two that were ever built, and this is the only one that exists today, the one that we're looking at in this photograph. And, again, I'll, I'll get a photo of this up on our Facebook at some point, maybe not right away. Um, so 
you know, the reason it was abandoned. Why did they, why did they stop building this one? And this is again, 1982. It wasn't necessarily because the series ended or anything like that, because that happened in 1986. So what happened was the competitors were starting to switch to all wheel drive setups. So, you know, like Audi was in there with their Quattro vehicle and this one would never ever compete with it. It just wasn't going to stand up to the competition. So they abandoned this whole project and, and this was kind of like an, an orphan vehicle. I guess. Ouch. Yeah, really. I mean, so, uh, you know, too bad, but at least one of them exists and it's, um, it's Citron's Heritage Center. That's where it's on display right now. And, uh, if you are lucky enough to see it, we would love to see some pictures. I, especially if you can get under the hood. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how you swing that in a museum. Well, you have to get under the hatch, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Right. Way, in, way in the back. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I should have said hatch. That's all right. What's going to be up front there? Maybe some, maybe a la- uh, matching luggage set. Oh man, I can't believe you in said a, that in a Group B rally car. What do you think about that? With I, I, I get the idea of opulence and luxury, but this whole thing about like matching luggage. I, I may surprise you with this one. I'm all for it because if you buy a car that is like a, a specific type of car, if you buy a car that is like a like a Ferrari or something like oh, that, oh, I I know I already know what you're gonna say. It it fits right. Otherwise, you you can't find a piece of luggage that fits, and they design that stuff so that it's it's it fits the exact space that they have. You know, the dimensions are perfect for it. Yeah. Otherwise, I would say it's a little bit of a, a you know, uh, not a waste, but I mean it's an extravagance, I suppose. Sure. You have you have a big Bentley or a Rolls Royce or something, and you've got lots of room. Yeah. Um, ne- not necessarily any need to buy matching luggage, other than just you know appearance, and that's kind of cool, <laughs> right? Uh, but yeah, something like that—a very specific thing, like sports car. I- I'd say that uh, yeah, if you've got the opportunity, go for it. But what- what's your opinion? Because that uh, probably changed your view, right? No, that makes sense. It doesn't change my view on. It doesn't change my view on the practice itself. I can see how, especially if we're talking about a a high-performance car that has very small storage space but still wants to be seen as luxurious mm-hmm. as well as, you know, high-powered, uh, I can see how you would need to have some sort of custom-built thing that would fit the strange, awkward size of your trunk or your boot or whatever you want to sure. call it. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly how I feel. Yeah, that makes sense, but... With that being said, then why don't all cars do that? See, why why can't we automatically have for things like Corollas, you know, or an Accord, why can't there just be a, um, I'm not saying some super fancy leather uh, luggage set, but some storage things that are already built into the trunk? Or how about this idea? I, I like what you're saying. I'm going to springboard off of that idea right, and okay. say, because I'm an idea guy. I can't really you're, implement anything, but I'm an idea guy. You're a regular Noel Brown. Yeah. How about a, a set of uh, a set of golf clubs that fit the vehicle? Now, I know you can't do anything about the length of the golf, golf clubs themselves. Sure. But, you know, a lot of these manufacturers like uh, like Cadillac and uh, mm-hmm. Lexus and all that, they will they will say that, you know, you can fit three sets of golf clubs in the back of the in the back of the truck. here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's easy to do. It's right? like so, a unit of measurement. Yeah, that's right. But but that varies so much in size that it seems like if they were to make custom golf bags that, you know, smart. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't know, because you still have the problem of having, you know, whatever length clubs for, you know, somebody who's six foot tall or somebody who's five feet tall. What about collapsible clubs? <laughs> That would probably, that would probably wouldn't work. You know, it's another idea. It's an untapped market, Ben. I feel like now we're getting to inventions that never made it. Yeah, yeah. It probably just gave somebody a million dollar idea. Oh, guys, don't steal the million. Look, I need the money. <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna, I am gonna close though with, uh, one last vehicle that we're not going to go into much depth on okay. today. All right. 
All right. You know, earlier you and I, you and I didn't quite come to blows, but we disagree about the uh, Diora, and I respect your decision, though I do not agree with it. Okay. There's one other one that I think I think you might completely agree with, and oh. it's a car that never made it. I'm intrigued. Scott, I'm talking about the safety car. I'm talking about the Aurora safety car. I don't want to say too much because we're going to look into this in a future episode other than to say um, if beauty is in the eye of the beholder, whoever was designing this should have looked at it a couple more times. Yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, we're on the same page here. That is I can, I'll just say it, it's an ugly car. Can I say this on the air? The, the front of the car, you know, there's this purposeful thing that designers do, right? And when, the, when they're hacking human psychology and they make the front end of a vehicle sometimes resemble a face, right? Yeah, sure. Two headlights, grill, uh, maybe a little bit of badging right in the middle. Uh, but this, while it might humanize the car, this can go horribly wrong. And it went horribly wrong in the case of the Aurora safety car. I, hope I don't get in trouble for speaking plainly on this, Scott, but with all due respect to the intentions of the designer, this thing looks like it, it it's smiling like a jackass, you know? And, oh, yeah. and, uh, I'm, this I is one of you. the cars I'm glad never made it. Yeah, I agree with you. And, uh, it's, it's not a pretty sight. And, uh, I think somebody recently found this vehicle and restored it. Uh, we, maybe, maybe there's more to come on this vehicle. What do you think? Yeah, there's more to come because we mentioned the, um, you know, we mentioned that it is ugly and I don't, I'm torn because as we'll find in the future, uh, the intentions of the designer and some of the function of the vehicle are actually quite, quite clever. Yeah, there were some revolutionary ideas implemented on this vehicle, that's for sure. Uh, the execution of that, uh, that plan though, uh, kind of went awry at some point. Right. Clear, I mean, clearly. Yeah, I mean, that's that's he, what happens. He needed help. He needed a little help. And we were <laughs> talking about uh, we we're talking about the designer of the vehicle. But that's all we'll say for now. That's the last thing I have. Wait, we have gone the gamut here. We started out with uh, with Rally North America. By the yeah. way, go to RallyNorthAmerica.com <laughs> and, uh, and support our friend Glenn. Um, we also talked about, uh, well, the second set of vehicles, you know, the uh, the concept vehicles, the one-offs, whatever. We did a lot of those today. We mm-hmm. talked about uh, A-pillars. Yeah, about, the, about my uh, my lousy con- or my lousy uh, project car that's still sitting in the garage doing nothing. We talked about fitted luggage. We did we uh, talked about an exceptionally ugly vehicle at the end of the uh, the show here, uh-huh. and, uh, and possibly another car stuff topic in the near future. Mm-hmm. Um, man, where else can we go from here? Well, I guess now it's time to go to my favorite part of the show, which uh, we'll be hearing from the listeners. Uh, we asked in our earlier episode about concept cars that never made it. Is there one that you are inspired by, having heard the, the conclusion of what became our series on cars that never made it? If so, we'd like to hear it. Or do you have an opinion? I don't know. I'm going to open a dangerous door, Scott. Noel, you guys got my back, right? I do. All right. I didn't hear Noel. Okay. I'll take, I'll take your... <laughs> Vaguely accusatory <laughs> nod as as a signal and, to go on. Noel. And by the way, we need to get him in there for for that uh, Diora vote because uh, I have a feeling that Noel will be on my side on this one. Are you serious? I do. All right. Maybe results later. We'll hey, have- and you guys vote as well too. Dodge Diora, uh, love it or hate, fur it or again it. Oh, another fur it or again it. Are you fur it or again it? Fur. I am again. 
and uh, you were fur. Definitely fur. So uh, also let us know if there are any other vehicles uh, that we talked about today that you think we got completely wrong. These are amazing or these are garbage and why uh, and vehicles that we should have mentioned so we can tell the rest of the listeners uh, about some amazing cars that may they may have not have heard of before. Good idea. I like to hear uh, from the listeners when they when they write in with their own suggestions. Like, uh, actually, most of these emails start out this way. I can't believe you didn't mention this one, but there's <laughs> there's thousands of these out there, so there's no way in our you know 45 minutes we had or whatever. Or I guess it'd be more like an hour and a half at this point. We'd have to dedicate an entire show to just laundry listing. And when I say show, I don't mean an episode. I mean we'd have to make a new show called the cars that never made it. Yeah. And then we would just do that all day long, every day, and we still would not get the end. No, I think there would be some weird math involved about the years it would take. <laughs> but in lieu of that, we are going to move on to cover some new things in upcoming episodes, and we'd like your help. Uh, check us out on Facebook and Twitter to see some of the posts that Scott and I were talking about earlier. And here's where you come in. If you want to help us find new topics for upcoming episodes, we'd love to hear from you. You can write to us directly at carstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between, like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So, Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly. How much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.